www.ktfm.org. Uh, and there you will find uh, some cool swag uh, that we would appreciate you purchasing that helps us stay in business. So again, whivfm.org. Thank you for all the love. Thank you for the support. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. And I just also want to just say real quickly, thank you so much uh, to uh, uh, Mickey Hanning for appearing on WHIV. Uh, please uh, consider visiting com. They really do put on a great uh, uh, festival. And with that said, it is a pleasure and honor to get started with Resistance Radio. When machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism Extreme materialism and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LPFM. My name is Mark Allendary, and with me, as always, is Kenny Francis, and it is great. I uh, I often don't say this to Kenny. I would never say it live on air, but uh, <laughs> I'll make an exception. I missed my Mondays with Kenny. I missed you <laughs> too. I, did. I missed you. I missed hanging out. Uh, I missed talking about politics because uh, when I am traveling with my wife, the last thing she wants to hear about is politics, uh, <laughs> unless it's the politics in the country we're visiting. Uh, the last thing she wants to hear is uh, is uh, have. Did so you talk about, about the labor movement in Croatia? Or uh, <laughs> yes, I did. I actually talked a 
lot about dude you know how you wanted to talk about cuba and yeah. we never got a chance to I do know. it you know we should do that where we just do a thing on cuba and i talk about albania and yeah. bulgaria the there was an albanian massacre that nobody knows about i mean a massive massacre yeah. that happened through the uh communist regime and then as soon as the the uh, Wait, communist against, regime, against the armenians right no 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 this albanians no these huh. were albanians uh the armenians was like in the early 1900s okay. so this was, oh, this 19, was yeah, 1940s to 1992 dude okay. and then as soon as the uh the iron curtain fell they had a massive civil war and then several thousand more people died after wow. that and this is like nobody knows about this yeah. like and i am a person who takes my uh, and i don't want to be tongue-in-cheek about this but i know I know about massacres and I know about like, Jesus. like again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be tongue in cheek about, it, but I, I've studied up on yeah. a lot of, especially in the 19th and 20th century. I know a lot about the massacres and in, in humanities that have been, that people have suffered. I had no idea what happened in Albania. Your Wikipedia was, search history is dark. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so is my tourism. I go to a thing called dark tourism. I learned a lot that way too. Uh, but it was in Albania and then of course uh, Bulgaria as well. And I think that we should do a, yeah, uh, we would, should yeah. think about a show or maybe one of our Lanyap shows yeah, to talk about Cuba and talk about Albania also, as well. Welcome back everyone. I know you guys miss our voices. Um, this is the point where I remind you guys all that you can always find our show on whivfm.org or you can find the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. I'm excited to be back. Like I said, we've been off the air for a full month. Um, we didn't do any shows in June at all because of travel and work changes and stuff like that. Um, so we're really, really excited to be back. Um, and we have, yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I would say that Something that, speaking of future shows, just to remind folks some things that we said that we we're going to do in the future is today we're going to be continuing our series that we've been doing in 2019 of um, interviewing local elected officials. And today we'll have Councilwoman Kristen Palmer, who, for a long-time listener, she's been on the show a bunch, but we're having her back on to talk about some recent updates of things that have happened over from during, in council since the last time we were on air. Um, and something that I'm excited to talk about in the future is um, I mentioned job change. I no longer work in education directly anymore, and so um, a change. No, no, I'm clapping for that because now we can talk. A change, a change that's going to happen in our show is that um, we have to get to job and politics. We can't talk about politics. Yeah, there was a huge, there was a huge huge black hole. Yes, uh, of all this education stuff that I come, I come to the table saying, "Kenny, we got to talk about this, this, and this." He's like, "We're not talking about anything that has to do with education." So I was clapping, uh, not. Because Kenny in education is a great thing, and he did a lot of great things while he was on the board. But uh, I'm still I'm still edu- education adjacent, but I no longer directly work in education, and so we can finally talk about it. And I'm and excited so much to, to talk, talk about, about um, just like what is actually happening in our state of education, rather than the very binary com- conversation that happens without much facts in it. Sort of like um, how New Orleans is the first city that's all charter. That I mean, and, and the thing is, like, we can, we can get into all. Yes. We can do, we're gonna do all of it. We're gonna I do. Know, we, I, I have know. a whole series know, planned. Know, that I'm excited to talk about it. I think the thing I'm most excited to talk about, um, just like at a brief sidebar here about it, is that regardless of which quote unquote side you're on, I think the thing that has frustrated me as someone who's worked in education since I came to the city is there's not a whole lot of facts involved with anyone. Involved right. in the conversation, right. Right. and if you listen but to our show, because it's so disjointed, right? Yeah. I mean, 
And if you listen, and even, and, and even to say like which side, because everybody can still like I might not have one side, but exactly. I take a little bit of other things. Exactly, because I think you're right, but because there are no facts, everybody kind of goes into these. Yeah, and, and my and my thing sides. is, a, and a very brief analogy I make for it is that I view the conversation around education in New Orleans similar to the way that I view what has happened to the conversation around pro-choice and pro-life in our country, where the conversation has purely become around a woman's choice to do with her body what she please is become either you want to kill babies or you don't want to right. kill babies. And w- and we've become this yeah. binary conversation that like yeah. is lack of facts and in the middle are all the issues that lead to this being a, a conversation well, at all. It's, the lack of paid family leave, the lack of prenatal care, the lack of sex, sex education, education, the lack, the lack of, of contraception, the lack of all of the right. things that would lead, that Available would like actually improve, improve yeah. the lives of children and women. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about, are we simply this like amorphous thing called pro choice or like simply this amorphous thing called pro life. And like in the same way, I know that there's a lot of reproductive justice advocates who want to have a more, like an actual conversation about the issues that affect women and right, families. Right, I would love right. to have a conversation about the issues in education in the city that actually affect families and children rather than being like, Hey, charter schools bad or charter schools good. Cause that's the only conversation that happens in the city is charter schools equal good well, or that, charter schools equal bad. And like, guess what? Was, in the, the middle, joke. the kids are getting screwed and uh, have been getting screwed. I know. I know. So and now we can just talk about education. Can we talk about transportation? Yeah. Before I'm really interested in, I, I want to introduce you. So oh, I, oh, I have sorry. an introduction for you. So hang on one second. So oh, wait, I, but, but I, want, I have one thing I have to do before that, before we do that, because I have to mention this because it just, had, I know, I know you're both getting frustrated me. It's I'm fine. Not frustrated. We haven't been on the air in a month, but he's walking. Now. We, we're, we're, <laughs> we haven't been on the end of the month. And everyone's dying to talk. Doctor Mark it. Allen just walked but out the door. He's not I'm frustrated. Gonna, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take like a moment of like personal privilege here because this has to be brought up. To ha- that a conversation that we need to continue to have in the city is last weekend was Essence Fest weekend. This past which is, weekend, which, this past weekend was Essence Fest weekend, which happens every Fourth of July weekend. And a conversation that needs to happen. I know that started to happen in 2016. There was an article on old.com about it, but then people sort of stopped talking about it. Is every year there seem, there's a convenient list of restaurants and businesses that conveniently close for only two events in the calendar year. They conveniently close for quote unquote renovations or quote unquote vacation during two specific weekends. And they happen to be Essence Fest weekend and, let me and, guess Bayou, the, and Bayou Classic I, I weekend. I was going to guess. <laughs> and a correlation to those weekends is it happens to be two predominantly black festivals. And people can say whatever they want about the I'm summer sure, is I'm slow. Sure, I'm sure it's black restaurants that are closing the, too. The people, and people can say whatever they want about the summer is slow and they're giving people vacation time. But it's very, very transparent when you only close for two festivals of all the things that happen in New Orleans, all the dead zones of like non-people visiting times that we have in New Orleans. These are the two weekends that a specific group of restaurants and businesses close. Who? And we're going to name at least one Who? of them because the, one of them is egregious. Walk-ons. Every year, walk-ons is an egregious really? example. Walk-ons? Every single year, walk-ons really? close Isn't for quote-unquote reserva- reno- renovations during only Essence that's and true. Bayou Classic I weekend. That. Can I just Every say, can I just say that's not in my year. district? And I've yeah. never been every yeah. single year. And I'm not even saying walk-ons is a good or bad business because I've actually never been there. We but just like, need to I walk. Of, in. We I just need to walk out. I know of them being yeah. a bad actor, and there are plenty of it. And like my social media feed every year during Essence is filled up with a list because my friends are like, "Here's a list of people that are conveniently closed for Essence and Body Classic. Let's not give them our money." And my thing is that like the pro- there are so many problematic things about it. A the latent racism in that. B it I would say overt it it. it 
it also like furthers these like assertions that like black people don't tip and all of these racist ideas. When the thing is like, why aren't those places? For, and, and people try to hide behind things like, oh well, they're concerned about security with the large crowds and stuff like that. So my and my question is, yeah, are you not concerned about Bowl. security when there are really really like drugged up nineteen year olds here for voodoo every year right. that run around and do things in our city every Halloween or when literally tens of thousands of drunk dads from Mississippi come for Jazz Fest and French Quarter Fest every year. There, there's no security concerns there. There's no concerns about what's happening to your wait staff. And it seems to be only these two weekends where there's a bunch of black people in hey, town. Hey, what are the restaurants? All of a sudden, everybody wants where's to do the list? renovations. Yeah, where's send the out list? The list. I, I was trying to find it before we came on okay, air. Well, and I, send, I couldn't send find out it. the list. But like... I. This is a conversation we need to keep talking about because it happens yes. every they need to be single I, yes, year. Absolutely. And if you know of businesses that do this, do not frequent them because th- this happens This happens literally but, you know, every year. Put out a list. And, and what else? Um, you know, one of the great things, though, lists can be good. Lists can be bad. This would be a bad list. You don't want to be on it. Right. But one of the good things, like, and then we kind of talked a little bit about sustainable tourism. But I think we also need to, to have this big in, within a bigger conversation about how do we want tourism to be managed in our yeah. city and yes. is it fair and equitable? Yes. And, you know, on the Northwest Tourism Marketing Corporation, we were really trying hard the past several years. And I saw a lot of progress in really creating lists um, for when conventions come in town, people come in town to push them towards um, African-American owned businesses. Yes. We did that first last essence and it was such a huge success. It was almost too big of a success because a lot of businesses got overwhelmed. But it's like why do we only have to do it during essence and so we've really been trying to to push it out through other venues and like you know today i had um the sports foundation come in to talk about you know the women's final four and these other groups it's like you know y'all should be pushing out these lists too we shouldn't just have to be waiting for um for essence and so i think we we need to as a city determine how we want our city to look and B, when we talk about tourism, and we're not doing a good job with that. Yeah. I, I really believe it. So yeah. this is something that I'm going to really start talking a lot about within governmental affairs and throughout it is, is, is tourism working for us? And, and you know, I, I'm really glad you brought up these lists on who's closing who's not because the other thing is – and, you know, we have to stop being apologetic like we're a poor city and, and we, we have to be so thankful that everybody comes here. At the end of the day, we're New Orleans. And we need to be unapologetic about that. People are going to come here because of who we are and how special this place is, right? Our diversity, our cultural diversity, our music, everything that we have, nobody else has. So then shouldn't we just say we're unapologetically New Orleans and this is how we're going to be when you come here, right? And this is how you're going to act. And this is, you know, this is, we want, we want everybody to benefit from tourism, all, you know, from our artists, from our musicians. And, And right now that's not happening. The data center released some really fascinating information on the industry and what household, um, how it generates certain household incomes, and there is a huge disparity. It's, it was insane. To it's look insane, at that and report. if you looked at especially break, look, broken down by yes, race, yes, right? It's insane. It is it's insane, an, and even by gender as well. But Kristen, hang on. Before oh, I'm sorry. You, hang on one second. Yeah. Before we do this, I just want to. Like, just take a huge step back, and let me just say, if you're tuned in, you're listening to 22.3 WHIV. This is Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. It's great to be back on air. Let me also just say, I could tell Kenny has a new job because he's actually wearing a sports coat despite it being 100 <laughs> degrees outside. But 
I always introduce Kenny as being the smartest political mind in the certainly in this room, in the city of New Orleans, and in even in Louisiana. But today is a very notable exception because with us today, as you've already heard, is really I think one of the best and smartest political minds in New Orleans, and certainly in the state. And that, of course, belongs to uh, Kristen Palmer, who is the uh, district, uh, uh, yeah, district council member C, which encompasses I think Algiers Marini. Uh, and Marigny, as well Bywater, Treme, and, and French the Quarter. French Quarter. St. Rock. So with that being said, please continue. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the cool part of the city, downtown, below Canal Street, oft forgotten, except for the drunken tourists that wander through Bourbon That's Street. Right. I'm joking. So but I know that we've got a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot. Today. Except during essence. Except during essence. No, it was essence. packed down there. It was um, wonderfully packed. Uh, it was, can we just finish the essence? Yeah, and the last thing I want to say in that say, yeah. is that like, this, I think this is an opportunity for like direct action. Like if you know of businesses that yeah, were put the list conveniently closed during Essence Fest, don't give them your money. Right, right, right. That needs um, to be that's it's the, ridiculous. It's racist. It's it's, it's hugely racist. Simply racist. Like it's, it's, there, there isn't no even other, there isn't that's what you said blatantly. I said no, it's, it's overtly just racist. Simply yes. racist. Yes, of course. Um, and so if you know of businesses that were conveniently closed during Essence Fest, don't go right. there. Can we, like, I, uh, right before we went on there, we talked about something, and I know that we'll, I promise you, Kristen, we'll, we'll dedicate a whole uh, hour or whatever to talk about sustainable tourism in, in New Orleans. But I was just saying, as somebody who lives uh, in the CBD on Julia Street, which is one of the, which right. is the thoroughfare between the, uh, um, the convention center and uh, the Superdome, uh, right? I have never seen traffic like that ever and so my supposition is of course this was a very big year it was 25 years i think essence actually changed their name where it's now essence cultural and heritage festival mm-hmm. or something um and of michelle course obama michelle was obama here. was here and of course um uh, kamala harris and uh elizabeth warren and mayor, if, pete. Uh, mayor, mayor pete was here and just real quickly i just want to say as a sidebar there um i think he's done a terrible job uh in Which south one? bend mayor, mayor pete. pete but I, I i give him props for just going to Essence and standing up and just kind of taking that heat that he got. And when I, re- I read the review of his talk and it was just, he was met with very, very cold uh, reception. Which I he, also will he, give credit where credit is due that I thought that, that his that, comment, I think his answer to the, the question was, about the officer-involved yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, during yeah. the debate was a good answer. Yeah, I mean, he apologized and I, it felt like a heartfelt apology. But, Kristen, can you talk to us? I mean, just it, To me, it just felt like it was a busier right. essence than usual, that more people I, drove in. I think, in I think and, all of those comments that you have are correct <laughs> and, and why it was correct. But then also add into that what's going on on Convention Center Boulevard. So when we so when we talk about sustainable about tourism, yes, yes. this is what I'm talking about. So we we are allowing, and this happened before I came back into office. We are allowing an industry to redesign an artery that gets people in and out of the city of New Orleans. The Workers, in, the industry being the convention center. Out, okay. So I think that's a problem because it's bad city planning. It I don't know how it got approved and how it happened. But they're basically, as you, they're they're taking four lanes and they're bringing it down to two, in an area that people are coming in off the bridge, like from the West Bank to come into town. People are trying to leave downtown, and anybody that works downtown, if you've noticed over the past six to eight months, the traffic. And we're saying, oh well, yeah, you know, it's just the the convention center construction. But the reality is, is it's ta- it's going to be taken away lines. They're what building they a movable. There? You're going to love this, doctor. They're putting in movable walkways so pe- tourists don't have to walk. Oh, so 
That's hold on. It's going to be exposed to the elements, or is it going to be covered? I'm assuming it's going to be covered because we have a movable walkway. Because people had a hard time walking down from one end of the convention center to the other. Listen, as somebody who has to who goes to Zulu every year or Orpheus or trust me, I've made that long. I've made those long. And somebody who's paraded and with the muffaladas, I've made those long walks before. Okay, but you just you know you're going to make the walk. Right. But so what I'm saying is like these decisions, and and I appreciate what their intent was, but these decisions are made within a a vacuum, without total regard to how the 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 total workings of the city right similar to what the previous mayor tried to do why i decided to run for office again when they were going to totally destroy the um, east bank ferry terminal and make residents wait behind a train if you're trying to get to work right because they wanted the tourists to have a vista along the river so when we talk about sustainable tourism is that really what we're trying to create and why can't we live in peace and and you know i posit that one of the big issues one of the we're talking about people in political office and for office mayor um riley who was the mayor of charleston for like decades and decades i saw him speak when i was i guess in my 30s and he said one thing he said you know every decision i make is for what is for the best for the residents of the city. And once you do that, every public project, every public works project, every decision, if you look at it that way, then tourists will come, businesses will want to resettle here, um, people would want to move there. So if you only, if we really just focus on what is good for the residents first, then we create a city that is equitable and reflective of who we are as a people. And then People are going to still want to come here. People are going to want to open up businesses here. People will want to visit here, you know. And that's how we have. And I know it sounds really simplistic, but I think it's true. I don't think true. it's simplistic at all. I think it's it seems very fair. It seems very fair, but often people start chasing that that vision. We have to do this, and because we want to attract this big event, and we need more millions of tourists to come. Right? We're at seventeen million now, or eighteen million, depending on who you talk to. How are we? How are we judging success? Are we going to judge success? by having 20 million tourists here, 25 million tourists here, but we still have discrepancy within household income and who gets the good jobs and who doesn't have the jobs. And we have musicians that are still hardly making any money for gigs or, you know, I mean, so you have to ask these questions, right? And where's the money going is, you know, this is one of the reasons why the, one of the first things I took on when I came into office was short-term rentals, because that's not sustainable when you have an industry that goes into neighborhoods and displaces people, right? So to me, that was like a really big reflection on how this is not good tourism that we're doing right now in New Orleans. It's just not thoughtful, I should say. And I think, I mean, I think what you're talking about is you're talking about what happens with just rampant, not the word I'm looking for, um, with like overrun, unfelt, unfettered capitalism. Correct. That's what's happening. That's exactly what's what's happening. What's happening is profits are being maximized, and and as Mark Allen brilliantly puts all the time, the 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 dangers and the negative effects of that are being socialized, rather than the opposite, where the profits from our tourism that, as you just said, our culture bears in our city and our culture brings here isn't going to those people it's going to the industry and to like a very small group of people in the city and meanwhile we still have ball water advisories right meanwhile the roads don't work right meanwhile, and, and, we don't have public transportation well, and that's what i'm saying and so and to me that's a whole nother level of this conversation right so how crazy is it that we can sit here and we elevate and we say we're such a success as a city that we have 17 million tourists a year that come here and now we're going to be asked to have a quadrennial reassessment where we might have to raise our property values ups, ups higher because we don't have enough revenue coming into the city 
to to sustain the raises that we gave for to police. Right. And that that's the premise of it. Right. Because the previous administration, not this administration, but the previous administration took one time money from the World Trade Center lease to pay for the raises for the first two years, knowing that in the third year they're going to run out of this this one time money. And they weren't going to be in office anymore. Correct. They weren't going to be in office anymore. But, hey, guess what's going to happen at that time? The quadrennial reassessment. So then we can up all the property values. So but the initial conversations that it's looking like. The property that the properties in parts of the city that are going to go up are the ones that have already gone up so substantially because they've been inundated with the short term rentals. Right. So then you're looking at areas like Treme, St. Rock, which is still predominantly African-American, but we're losing that. We're losing Treme. If you've seen the numbers and the demographics on the East Bank of my district versus now versus five or six years ago, it's shocking. To see the displacement that's yeah. occurred. It's the disnification of New Orleans. Right. Yeah. And is that who we are as a people? No, so, it's not. So this is what I talk when I'm talking about sustainable tourism, this is what we're talking about. And it all goes back to what is fair and equitable for everybody in the industry. And I'm not banging this industry because let me be very clear, y'all. I put my way through college tending bar, waiting tables. Right. I worked in clubs. Right, you right. Know? But those aren't so, the people who are making the money, though. It's like it's not like it's not like our bartenders right. are and barbacks. So, and right, right, no, are like I know, but, but I'm not. But what I'm saying is, too, it allowed me to do a lot of things. There's some people that, that have a good quality of life doing yeah. it. I don't know, but, but the vast majority they don't. And and we know too that a lot of folks aren't making a livable a livable wage. Um, you know, and so we have to start saying. How do we if this industry isn't working for us looking like this, then how do we change it to make it work for us? Right. And that's what I mean by New Orleans needs to be unapologetic because there's we're we're not Cedar Rapids, for Christ's sake. You know, we are New Orleans. So people want to come here. So let's determine it. Did did you just take me to Ohio? Shade. I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. It's outside of Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) There's a six flags out there. But but listen, but listen, you know why I brought that up? Because they had serious floods. Um, After Katrina, do you all remember this? They had their rivers overflowed horribly, horribly, horribly. And I was rebuilding houses after Katrina when I was running that nonprofit. Remember, yeah, when I was with yeah. and they came down, and I um, building together, right? And they came down, and and we kind of helped them right. to talk about like what what works and what doesn't work. And I told them one of the best things that put New Orleans separate from everybody else because we were the worst city in the world for something like this to happen. Right? We had a broken criminal justice system, broken right. political system. I go on and on. Education, everything was broken. Healthcare. Healthcare. Yes. Um, but what we did have, believe it or not, was tourism. And that what ha- what happened was because it, it put us in the psyche of millions upon millions of people that had ever been to New Orleans. They they could see it in their head, right? Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you. So this. that so, that created that whole you know that whole national movement when we we were able, I was able to fundraise a lot of money to rebuild the right. city from around the country. I was able to get a lot of volunteers from around this country to rebuild a place like Cedar Rapids didn't have that opportunity, right, right, but right. we made it work for us, yeah. right? Well, and that, th- thank you for that reference because I immediately was like Cedar Rapids. <laughs> but hold on, before all right, so let me just say this. So what you were bringing up is something that we talk a lot about on this show, which is that New York City gets 100 percent of their tax tourism dollars back to them. 
them. San Francisco gets seventy five percent of their tax tourism dollars Correct. back to them. We get ten percent of our 11. tax of our tax tourism dollars. So, uh, so do you see what us. we've created? And so, and yeah. so, yes. so are we going to have to then make our city work by and it's overtaxing not fair. our it's citizens? Not fair to yeah. overtax the citizens. That's yes. what I'm talking about. Right. Because right. and then and now we're also going to talk about a drainage fee and all these other fees, and and I'm just. It's, they're, they're not paying their fair share. I mean, that's it's what that it comes simple. down to. And look, they, I give kudos to the mayor for 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 doing. You know, she's taken I mean, the first step, and she said it herself that this is the start of a, of more, a movement. But it's, we have to grab it. Yes, yeah. I, it, there's there's no question about it. And I and I think that the 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 biggest place for that is in, in terms of dollars is tourism. And Correct. I think that when and Kenny and I have done several shows where we have gone deep, deep, deep in the weeds looking through where those monies are going. And they're purposely confusing and they're scattershot. They're all over the place. They're not made easy. Uh, but still, uh, the tourism dollars is where I think a lot of that. Which, by the way, it needs what to, Mark Allen's talking about is if you haven't heard that show, go back and listen to the episode we did about tax dedications. Yeah. And, and it's it's we try to make it sound as sexy as possible. We talk in our... <laughs> We talk in our deepest voices because tax you dedication. You have a glass of wine. Yeah. Right. Extra, 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 some candles extra raspberry, extra raspberry for you. <laughs> Dude, next time we'll have a little the lights. The lights can be we call, dimmed. We, ca- we called that one resistance radio after dark. Yes, some slow jazz played in the background. Um, but it's so. It's, I think the things that you're talking about are so important. But uh, uh, I guess why, why don't we just should we start with well, STRs? Yeah, or, or, let's go to short yeah, term rentals. So rental. Before so we, we dive into sort of like what's happening right now, can you sort of we talked about it when the council passed them, but can you talk about sort of where we stand now with? What are the types of permits people can get right. and what's Hold next? on, before you do that, right before you were, you, the last time you were on, the study was about to come out. Right. So maybe if you can just give us a quick kind of thumbnail of what the study showed. So, so basically it showed pretty much in line with, with where the direction of the council was going, that it, it outlawed, that it also recommended outlawing um, all um, whole house short-term rental in residential neighborhoods. So now there used to be, well, there's, you know, still is, but we have an IZD in place. So you can't get a temporary permit, but you have a temporary permit, which means you can have a whole house short-term rental in a residential neighborhood. That's going away. Right now you can't get one anyway because the IZD is in place. And if you remember, I put that in place. ICD is the... The Interim Zoning District. IZD. So right, nobody right. can can get one now while we're going through this process because right. we're also worried that a flood would occur. Right. Um, so they recommend you could only have a short-term rental if it's an owner-occupied property, um, which is in residential neighborhoods, which we're and all in favor and of. And proven by a uh, – what's it called? The tax a homestead, homestead exemption. Homestead exemption, right, right. right. But what I did, though, is I, I made it a little bit more liberal because what we heard pretty consistently from neighborhoods is that the problem is when you have absentee, when you just have a whole house short-term rental with nobody living there. And you know the reality is, too, is that this could also be – you know we talk about making things work for the locals – um, this could be a business model yeah. for some people, and it's, it's a lower barrier entry for a yes. developer, yes. You know, especially a small person wa- wa- um, coming out. So we said, look, if you have a fourplex and you live in one, then you can have a short-term rental for you know the other three units, um, but you have to live on the site. I think that get, could give people an opportunity. We also said before that wasn't allowed if you had like a an unattached building on the property, some of these older properties you have like a carriage house like a carriage house right and and before you couldn't have that as an accessory now you can if you live on the parcel lot so i think those are kind of nods to locals to making sure and then what we said too is that you could have short-term rentals if you were zoned commercial that we're trying to keep this simple right the premise being that 
keep residential houses in residential use. Short-term rentals is technically a commercial use. So if you have commercial districts where, you know, remember after Katrina, we, we, we planned and master planned the city to death. All I'm saying was, and I think the council said, is let's use that master plan yeah. to determine where you can have short-term rentals. So now you can have them on, like your, your St. Claude's, your Claiborne's, or your, your Esplanade's. Canal, they're talking about Canal, canal there's Street. a bunch of buildings up, on Canal, right? Upper floors. But what I right. was concerned about is let's make sure it's only upper floors because we don't want to lose first floor retail and your right. neighborhood shops and your neighborhood businesses because that's also what we need as a community. So so the CPC agreed with that and, and they put in some, some further clarity. The CPC is the, the – I'm sorry, city. the City Planning Commission. Right, okay. So they put in further, um, you know, further conditions on that to ensure that if you were historically a commercial building that had multiple floors, then the first floor would would retain retail. Where um, and but then we have a bigger commercial. Now these are buildings like what you see, um, Dr. Mark Allen, in your in your neighborhood, right? With um, in the central business district, and these are large scale commercial. So we have your small scale commercial, which is like your neighborhood, and even your corner store. We're saying, like in my district, we have different types of zoning designations. We're saying if you have a corner store and you have a unit above the corner store, it could be a conditional use to allow for a short term rental because again, it stays within that commercial use of that property. And then that's kind of how these neighborhoods were, you know, these older neighborhoods. So we wanted to, I wanted to incentivize affordable housing within the use of short-term rentals. So we created the small short-term rental commercial designation for like under 10, you know, under five, 10 units, like, like the like neighborhood stuff. But over 10 units, we're saying that if you want to have a certain number, you have to, what my goal was, was one for one. You can have one short-term rental for every affordable housing unit. So just just to be clear of what this means. So this means if you are, let's say, a Sonder, because that's who we're ultimately talking about. That's the, and, that is a Sonder. Which is. F- folks who listen to the show know that Sonder is probably the biggest like commercial company that is doing short-term rentals and sort of like in an enormous scale where they're buying up whole properties for that purpose. Right. You're saying what we were trying to do is that if they were, if they wanted to create a short-term rental unit that had ten units in it, that you were trying to push for them to have to create ten affordable housing units. No, five, five, five. five. So, so five for one for one. So for one unit, they put up for STR. Yeah. So one. if there's ten, they have to create ten. Yes. Well, so yes. Yeah, so that would be a twenty-unit building. So, be a 20 so unit, yes, 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 yes. So, so if you have a twenty, yes. Right. So I felt that now this is coming from me, not the whole council. I felt that we should look at. Um, at, you, at incentivizing them to do, instead of telling people no, say, okay, well, let's use this as a tool for the creation of affordable housing units. Because you can imagine that would be the fastest way of creating affordable housing units yes. that are in walkable mm-hmm. right. distance to downtown, to jobs, right. et cetera. Right. Well, we got a little pushback. Yeah, because we're not from, seeing that. From the council, from other oh. people. And, and people were concerned, and some had legitimate issues saying, well, we don't know if that's going to incentivize it or not. And what if it just becomes untenable? I, I know, for instance, and the, this is um, the um, the Pythian, great development. They have affordable housing. You know the Pythian right. building? Yeah, it's where my clinic is. Right, right. Yeah. So they have affordable housing. They have, um, you know, like retail on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great and market. And their top two floors are short-term rentals. And 10% of their units is all that they needed to do with short-term rentals in order to get 
a good residential mix and affordability and first floor retail. Huh. And they did it with just 10% of short-term right. rentals. Right. So that sounds like a good business. Sounds like a business model right. to me. So anyway, I said, okay, so as a nod to wanting more information, which I, I think is, you know, that that's fair enough. We um, hired the people that did the study uh, for um, inclusionary zoning to now study short-term rentals and that market and how much money one unit can bring in versus the other and to apply that then to the commercial. So that study we should have um, this month. And we're going to treat the whole, the large scale commercial differently once we get that report back to see how many units can we incentivize. Cause we also don't, you know, the other side of this too is we don't want to leave any units on the table. So we'll have hard data that can say, okay, you can, we could probably get away with incentivizing this many affordable units within a whole commercial STR building. So that's what we're looking at. So I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know of any other city that's kind of taken this approach to it, but I think it's, um, it's creative. If you're tuned in, you are listening to Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. Today we have on uh, council uh, member uh, Kristen Palmer, who uh, represents District C. I have two questions for you, Kristen. Yes. One is the CBD is exploding with these short-term rental buildings yeah. that are in these. They're, they, they, they look like hotels, but they're really acting like STRs. That's one. And then two, why was there an exception for the Garden District? It's, it seems on the surface that, that there were privileged folks who were like, we don't want the parties happening And also the French here. were. Well, right. the, I mean, the French, yes. It was true yeah, before, yeah, 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 but, yeah. but, 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 but it's, true. it still fits yes, your point, it's, though. Yeah, the it, two places I got exemptions from, from getting short-term rentals wasn't like the Treme, right. where black residents who have traditionally had homes there are getting pushed out. It's places like the Garden District and the French Quarter. Um, and I know that there was already a restriction in the French Quarter, but I think that's a fair question of why did the Garden District get protection but not the Treme? So so very clearly, it I believe in bottom-up. <laughs> so it came from the Garden District. It came from the French Quarter. It did not come from Treme. If, if Treme and the association to where people are, are yes, able yes to and no. organize. And yes and age. no. You know, and, and I've, rep- I've represented Treme even, you know, before this whole short term rental issue. And, and it's really kind of fascinating to watch that because it looks so different. It's changed so much since my first term and within four short years. And a lot of that was because of the short term rental, I think. Um, right, just to be clear, you had a term, you, sat, you sat a term off, that's right. when STR started, Correct. and then you came back in really with STRs being kind Correct. of your main, the short-term right. rental. Yeah. Your main, and the whole, yes, right. and sustainable. And, 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 when, and, the funny thing, just funny <laughs> sidebar, when I, when um, a friend of mine who oh listens God, to the show. Oh my God, did you say short-term rental? No, short-term rental. So like, um, so a funny thing is that when a friend of mine who listens to the show was like, you guys are coming back on air after a month. Who do you have on today? It's like, oh, Kristen Palmer. It's like, oh, the short-term rental lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the short-term mental is what I thought you said. <laughs> so maybe you just call me the short-term mental lady. And I, and I honestly don't think they're all bad. And this is kind of like the segue in, into Treme. But I think it's a really legitimate question. But, you know, when, when I was in office last time, like, Treme was really, really, really focused on how do we create – the, the local businesses that we want that are like the hallmark of Treme. 
So we worked really hard together for them to do like these these overlays um, to allow for it's like a, a residential district overlay, which would allow them. to I mean, they literally went corner by corner and said, "This used to be a corner bar that had music. We we want to be able to make sure that the zoning can reflect that." Yeah, and and they did that throughout. And so there's definitely an undertone of now they don't want short term rentals, but they also don't want to necessarily limit. The short-term rental, if it's part of within a commercially zoned, you know, because they want us to have the business, right? Yeah. And so, so they, you know, and I still if you think, want like the candlelight lounge, but you also don't want just like endless bachelor parties. Correct, correct. What's really sad that happened to Treme is that, um, and if you can go down some of the, the streets, I think it's Ursulines is one of them. Um, they've lost a lot of Section Eight. Because what happened was Governor Nichols is like that too. And Governor Nichols, yeah, yeah, the Section 8 housing that was there and that what you had just naturally affordable housing, the landlords figured out they could make a lot more either Mm -hmm. from STR in it or just selling it because you had had developers coming in and just, you know, swooping in. Like three times the amount. Right, 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 right. Which then, of course, brings up property taxes for everybody else as well. Right, which is now that's what we're seeing. And to the point that you're making, um, and I think the concerns that the residents obviously have there is one, it was the Treme is the oldest black neighborhood in America and was the place where. Black people first, were first was the first and first, oldest yes. black neighborhood well, in America. Well, that makes it the oldest. The black ownership. <laughs> um, but like, even like there was a there was a brief moment where I almost lived in the Treme when I was moving a couple of years ago. But then I talked to a couple of the neighbors and they were like, "You don't have neighbors anymore. It's all short term." That's right. Rentals. I've heard that a lot. And I I ultimately didn't move there because I was like, I I want neighbors. Like I live here. I'm you not, know, Marini you know, also had you know. Um, Nelson Foucault, he was a he was a developer. He was a, a free man of color. A lot of people don't know about this guy. He's like one of my favorite. He was an architect, a mathematician, a philosopher, um, and a developer. And he he developed a lot of the Marini as well. It, it's fascinating to see um, some of the history in this town and how there was a lot of black ownership of property. Um, what's fascinating, if any of your listeners have had the opportunity to go to the new expansion of the historic New Orleans collection on Royal Street. When you walk in, they have this huge the table. interrupting map. It's I saw that. Have, last did you see? Week. Did you hit the cool. ownership button? Yeah. They have an ownership button of who owned what property in the French Quarter, and they go back to the 18th century, the 19th century. And one of the buttons you could you could push were were people of color that owned it and women of color. When you hit that button and you look at the French Quarter, it was astounding how many people of color owned property. And now it's, you know, well, you know, the same with Canal Street, one of your colleagues uh, pulled together a great uh, exhibit that Kenny and I did actually a uh, um, that we went and did a taped uh, recording of and that was the redlining. Uh, And, and, you know, that that was that was incredible. Yeah, I went to that. And they brought it down the to the, the, the yeah, small center. At the small center, and then yeah. of course they brought that beautiful map, that amazing map, uh, to the city, to city hall. It's, as well. it's amazing if we were almost left to our own designs and not when you had this that actually came in from other places. Maybe we would have been more equitable. I don't know. Oh but. yeah, I mean this, that was a clear example, if not the quintessential definition of structural racism. Right. But this right. time at the, at the hands of government. Right. Right. I, I want to let you finish talking about like. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. So, no, we no, we so, so quite frankly, it, if Treme had wanted it, I absolutely would have fought for it. I mean, I think people know me enough by now that that's... But can't you just assume that to be the case? No, you can't or? because, because I'm, I'm telling you, every step of the way, we had so many... They were part of an overall short-term rental committee meetings, um, task force that happened all throughout my neighborhoods pretty pretty regularly 
that they were meeting on their own. We would go in when we were crafting amendments and, and legislation. I was in touch with all the with the different associations down there. Again, can you touch everybody? And there might be listening. Oh, I didn't know about it. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, that's the and, reality is. And I guess your point, and I, and I think I think the point that Mark Allen's trying to make and is there's, that the and, displacement and there has been so bad. It's been so bad, but there's also a a large not a large group, but there's also a cadre of African Americans who own a lot of short term rentals in Treme, who were amongst the most vocal for not having regulations in Treme. Um, and they were longtime um, Treme, African-American Treme residents and go back generations. And they had, you know, they had over the years amassed a lot of property and they short-term rented all of their property. Yeah. And they said that it was structural racism to change these laws now because it was an entry point where they could finally make money off of the, the hospitality industry. You know, and that was that's a really fascinating way point. of looking. It's, it's a fair point, yeah. right? And then, so which is why I mean, I was very cognizant of that when I was trying to figure out. Well, how can we have clearly defined rules that you can't have a special class, right? You can't say, well, if you're local, then you get to have a plus one or a plus two. That give, that that's not constitutional. You can't have you can't a, do that a, yeah. a protected class in that way. But but when we talked about using a homestead exemption and saying you could have multiple units on one parcel, I felt that was more of a nod to, to locals doing small term um, small time commercial on corners. Um, Allowing up to like five or ten without having an affordable housing component allows for greater um, for the smaller person, guy, whatever, woman, um, developer to get in there and do something um, as opposed to these large scale commercial. You see, I mean, so so it was it was really a juggling act on, on trying to figure out what is legal and equitable and can be fairly applied across the board. And we felt the best way to do that was through clearly defined zoning which was clearly defined after Katrina during a whole master plan process. Yeah. Does if that make yeah, sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to push us to get to a couple of the topics that, you, that we wanted to talk about. Oh, um, and by the way, before we leave this yeah. topic, we are having um, the Those next governmental next, affairs yeah. meeting dealing with short-term rentals is – I know the saga never ends – is Wednesday, July 17th at 1 p.m. in City Council Chambers. We are dealing predominantly only with the short-term rental operators and platforms accountability. So we're now laying out with those – because those rules don't have to be within the comprehensive zoning ordinance. These are what rules are going to apply to the platforms and how we hold them accountable. In terms of like you have to list the license. Correct. You have to list the license number. We're going to have a platform fee like a pay-to-play. You're going to have to pay $50,000 to the city of New Orleans if you want to be a platform. And is that going to go to affordable housing or – Yes. So we have a neighborhood improvement fund and – and first of all, all the fees that, that go to operate, I mean, we're going to make sure that the short-term rental office is larger within safety and permits that is adequately staffed and operated. However, right now, the per night fee is a dollar per night. We are going yeah, to increase that yeah, to residential bucks. to $10, $10 per night for residential. But large-scale commercial will be like $20 a night. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? So that's yeah. another way yeah. of kind of giving yeah. a nod to the small. Yeah. Do you have a guesstimation of what that's going to bring in? Well, that was the next one. We, we, were, we were really hoping to, to charge a lot more. We're not sure if these numbers are going to work. Originally, that's we were, we were trying to reach a fund that was going to be 15 to $20 million annually that would go to affordable housing. But the mayor's fair share deal, where she's now taxing the oh, short-term right, rental at 6.75%, right, right, right. has kind of that. tapped into yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. You, right. So I'm a, I'm a little... 
I'm very so sad. It's, it's bittersweet. Yeah, it's I mean, bittersweet. Right? I know. I know. I know why they I mean, did it. Right. Both. Yeah. But right. it's. But I also really am trying to find an affordable housing yes. thing because I also think what could potentially happen with this legislation when it all goes through is that there may be houses that go out on the market, right? Because people can't short-term on them anymore or yeah. what have you. If, if the people from out of town decide to sell, well, wouldn't it be great then to also have an affordable housing fund where we can fund soft second money for home buyers yeah. and home ownership yeah. training opportunities and all of these things um, to really make sure that there's a marketplace for our people to take advantage of. And I think that was something that Kamala Harris uh, uh, introduced on Saturday was a, a fund, I think it was 100 billion dollar fund yeah it was a hundred billion dollar fund that 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 is making home ownership affordable for uh, african-american families that's tapping into something like what you're discussing and that's exactly what what we wanted to do because the fastest way to gain equity and wealth wealth, in this country is through home ownership ownership, if you look at the home ownership um breakdown in the city of new orleans from black v white is um the blacks are 10 points lower than white home ownership. And then if you further look at it, we're also flipped. Most of the cities, like most of the country, if you have like healthy cities, might have 60% home ownership, 40% rental. We're flipped from that. I'm not saying rentals are good or bad or whatever. I'm just saying when you talk about- That's a market for It's a market. That's what you really, exactly. You want more home ownership. You want more home ownership. And the reason why home ownership too is so important for the listeners out there is when I say it's the fastest way for wealth and equity- a lot of people can mortgage their home in order to start that business. They can mortgage their home to send their kids to college. They don't, they're not housing insecure in that they are not going to um, kind of be victim to the changing marketplace. And they have something that they can pass down from generation to generation. When you pass down wealth and you pass down an asset, a physical asset like a house to the next generation, you're uplifting them where they don't have to have that huge housing cost. Right. And so then they can have a better quality of life. And And from a very simple economics standpoint, you you build equity and equity, equity is what our our economy is built on. Exactly right. And when you have an entire race of people who were denied equity for 300 plus years, that's. So you're already starting at a negative point and perspective. And a lot of people don't, don't really take that into consideration. Right. And then you look at the redlining, so you, you, can, you can't even start the line at when, when you either gained freedom no. from slavery because right. yeah. right. then you had Jim Crow right. and then you had redlining and you had all these structural pieces in place. Right. So mass then, incarceration. Mass incarceration. Thanks, Joe Biden. Right. So, <laughs> so, so we're actually way behind. It's, it's incredible. Reparations. Right. Yeah. Reparations yeah. for First Nation peoples and African American. That's it. Like yeah. that's the only it's way to go. go. And you know what? It would be great we, for our home yes. ownership. Um, so, I, have, I have a question too. So okay, I so we'll go first. It. Okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna go to the next topic. No, no I know. Um, so something that you've I know, been waiting. I know. I know, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you do a topic and I do a topic. So and we'll the wrap topic up this I want to talk okay? about because I, I found it fascinating. Um, your office is talking about it with me. Um, hi, Tiffany. Um, is this outdoor entertainment study? Tell me about yes. that. What's going on with that? Okay, so there was a lot of miscommunication out there, you listeners. And if anybody wants to call in, we can extend this show for another hour. Let me give you Kenny's phone number if you want to call in. (laughs) Oh, my God. Everybody thought we were, like, trying to kill the culture. It was hysterical. So the reality is... I said, You're again, welcome to come on WHIV anytime. Y'all say that because I can sit here. I'm going to have to start doing that. Um, with with wine and a candle, right. and, <laughs> and we'll, so we'll, we'll talk in our deep voices. <laughs> Resistance so, radio after dark. So, 
So I thought this was really innocuous and shame on me, folks. So I will, I'll do a mea culpa if I didn't socialize this enough. But, but different neighborhood associations from below Canal Street came to me and said, look, there's no protection. Like a lot of this came from like the sun yard issue. Yeah. Remember when that sun yard was yep. a big thing right it before it came in? Yeah, yeah. But so when you look at the, if you look at the, the parcel, it went way – it was a deep, deep parcel and it went way into a residential neighborhood and you had housing on all sides, right? And a lot of parcels is a really old city and you have different sizes of parcel and different lots, different lot sizes. And and so in every other part of the city except for like Treme, Marigny, Bywater, St. Rock, you have buffer zones. If you have a commercial property that's in a commercially zoned property – but it the rear of it butts into residential areas. You've got like little buffer zones to say, yeah, you can still have live music or whatever, but you have to do it within the zone. Well, it turns out that the CPC, because of our lot sizes below Canal Street and how old we are and it's and they're odd, they just didn't know how to deal with it. So they just excluded. They just didn't deal with it? They didn't deal with it. So I'm like, oh, well, let's just, you know, it's so like they're the like. It's so <laughs> New Orleans. It's such a New Orleans. It's like, oh, we'll do right? that next year. And so, right. so, the, so the neighborhood association was like, yeah, well, could you just do this and it'll be a motion to start? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's just a study. And, and we can see if it's comparable to other parts of the city. Figure it out. If people like it. At least it'll be an open and public process. It'll go through CPC. Oh, my God. Then it was like, you're trying to kill the culture. You're trying to kill outdoor entertainment. And I'm like, the, and, and I'm like. No. I mean, <laughs> I fought to keep, you know, to make Bacchanal legal. And we have all these other wonderful um, bars and restaurants. Like and mother, actually, mother, one mother, of the cool things post-Katrina, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I Siberia didn't came through under my watch. Siberia right. did. Mother-in-law lounge when I came into office I mean, did not allow to have music. Right, I made right. that legal. Candlelight, poor darling, yeah. she didn't have a music license for 20, 30 years. We <laughs> helped her get that. Yeah, so it was like, I, yeah, I kind of feel that's action. That's a New Orleans thing. Yeah. Okay, so I also feel like actions speak louder than words and maybe that was my me a couple thinking, yeah, sure, everybody will understand. They know what I've done. I'm like, oh no, oh no. So, and then there, and then I'm like, y'all, this is only for moving forward. First is A, it's a study and B, it would only be for new, new built businesses yeah. going out right and i kind of liked the study because the study reactionary the stuff i hate the reactionary when you, you, stuff comes to you as a problem yeah because then it pits neighbor against business yeah. and and that's not and the cool. reality is you need both and you need both a to make like and that's what makes our neighborhoods both, funky. both the residents right and both the residents so are you saying that you appreciated the results or you appreciated the well the, the results the results haven't come in yet. It's just a study. So, the okay, CPA so is going to. Okay, so, so as soon you're as taking this, an objective look at this. Um, yes, it's an objective look. I really don't care one way or the other. Um, I as just, to the results, you're going to correct. You're going to look. You're, you're going to look at the objective results and then make recommendations based correct. on on correct. the results of the study. Because I guess my hope is that it would send out some kind of guidelines so that if you're a business owner and you want to open up a new business, you clearly know what you can and cannot do when you buy a piece of property, and that makes it very. And if you're a homeowner and you've lived in a house for 20, 30 years, you know, you know what can come in or what can't. Or if you live there for a year, you know what's there, what's not going to be there. And that's all we're looking at is clarity. And it's going through the city planning commission. So it's a a totally open process process, and people can look at it. I think that's super fair because I think that like to go back to what we're talking about when we're talking about the Trime and the short term rentals is I think what we've seen around this issue in the city is a lack of parity around access and 
um, ability to advocate for yourselves. Because I remember, because I was living in the Mary at the time, when when Mimi's lost their music license. It was because like a rather wealthy person came in and bought the house next to it and had the ability to raise well, the quite same a thing, The same thing happened with Bacchanal. Yeah. And, and yeah, the so, same thing with Bacchanal. And, and that's like, why I was going to all the businesses and say, look, y'all, get legal now. Because if you get legal now, they can't take it away from you. Yeah. And that, that's the other really important thing about this piece that people, and, and let's all be clear. Like I have sisters that are artists. We all have friends that are artists and musicians. Sometimes I'm not going to, I'm not going to overgeneralize, but you know, some, they don't like the man. They don't want to go down there. They kind of want to be free thinking and free flowing. What? I don't like the man half the time. And so it's like, you know, you just kind of take it easy. Right. And so, you know, why do I need a permit? I've been doing music here forever. Why? Because you don't know who's going to move in next to you and say and try no. To shut you down. Right. So that's what I keep trying to tell folks is like it works both ways. So the idea here is to create just like a standard that says like yeah. when you buy a parcel, here are the rules. Whether you're a bar, whether you're a homeowner, right. Right. It, and these are considered just obvious best practices in other cities. <laughs> yeah, and, then they, and then that's, like, part, and that's a, part of the problem. Kind of and like that's and that's part of the make problem. Make it as blunt as possible. Right? Yeah, and that's part of the problem, right? Is that like you know we've got businesses that like were operating without a music license for thirty years, and then right. a new neighborhood moves in. And it's like, well, you don't have a license. Oh, I don't need a license. I've been doing right. it for thirty years. It's like, well, right. why are we doing it for thirty? Yeah. So yeah. can I? So we usually close off the show by me asking more or less the same question to city council people, and that's talking about energy. So. Uh, <laughs> So I, I am not on utilities. I know, but let me just say. So let me just say. So I had a different question, but we can go there. So yeah, we go wherever Kuro, y'all want. I'm here. Kuro, for which is the council utility regula- regulatory office, was being consulted by the Dentons, which is a consulting group of attorneys. Yes, and uh, and it seemed as though every time uh, that the recommendations that were made that came from Dentons. Uh, or the Denton Group were oftentimes at odds as to what the community and what other uh, individuals brought to the table uh, with respect to recommendations for Entergy, and particularly talking about the the peaking plant. And so, um, I just w- I now understand that the Curo office is now being staffed in house, and that's something that uh, falls along best practices amongst other cities. Yes. Okay. So, so I I'm, I'm going to be very clear. I don't know a lot of the because I am not I'm not I'm not shrugging you off. I'm not on utilities committee. I'm not on there by choice. Okay, that's fine. Um, and one of the issues I've always had, quite frankly, when I was an alternate on utilities committee when I was in office my first term, because I think you've I was always out. anxious. Yes, I I'll think be honest you, with you've you. You've talked about this. I've before. talked about this very publicly. I've yes, I've always you have. been very anxious about the how much money we pay the consultants. Yes. Um, a lot of undue access. I also have the same concern about energy, quite frankly. Um, and, and there's just a lot of money on the table. And I, and I just felt like it was it, – it, it's also something that I always felt that there needed to be a third-party analysis that you trusted that were always answerable just to you. And so what I'm really pleased about that this council is doing is that they are beefing up the Curio office – so that they are 100% answerable to the council. Um, I also, though, would like to see the Curio office staffed also a little bit more to have somebody on staff that um, that does the same type of thing for Sewage and Water Board. Because I think, again, you know, you're only we're only given the information that we're given. You know, that can sound crazy, but like I remember when I was on the utilities committee before, we would get four or five inches high binders you know a few days before the committee hearing 
And it's almost like from all sides, from from Denton's and from well, Andrew G. Like and it was a, like flood people with with yes. so much information. It's a data and dump. Ta- and a data dump, and then you'll never know what's really going on. I know that sounds kind of weird, but no, no, that's no, that's, 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 that's actually it's a, it's a that's, a, that's actually a thing. Yeah. Exactly, it's, a it's totally dump. a thing. Yes. It's a data dump. Attorneys do that all the time, right? And so, so again, you know, I'm not saying I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to speak ill of of the advisors or anything else, but it's almost kind of like. Well, that's what resistance radio is for. But, but you know, but it's it's like you know, it's like I hate to say this, I'm going to piss off like the psychologist. But it's like the psychiatrist, like, what is their incentive to get you mentally healthy better, right? Because then no, you yeah, lose a client. No, no, no. So, so Kristen, <laughs> but no, 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 I mean, I hate in, to s- in all honesty, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. But you're not. No, you're no, no, not no, putting no, me on the I, spot. What I did want to say is that when you look, the lens broke that story. When you look, and that was a long story, and it was a very, very good one. But it it outlined where a real crux of the issue really lies, and when when. And the council responded by by starting the process of terminating those contracts and building an in-house uh, set of consultants. I think that that was a first step to something that was very positive, and that's something that you all should be very proud of. No, no, no. I, I, I look, I'm very proud of you know that's that's the chair Helena. I, I totally agree with her. I, I told her that. I think I think that was a really smart move. I think it's only going to get better and better. I agree. But I but I will say this. I will say this publicly, and I hope y'all follow up on this. I expect then the consultant salary to start going down. Absolutely. And I expect them to pay for the staffing of the curio so that we are not using more tax dollars yes, yes, to staff yes, the curio's office. Right, and right. so I've been very clear on that. Um, I've been clear with the with the head of curio office. I'm going to continue to, to say that, that I want to start seeing decreases in the Denton contract um, – as we increase yes. the capacity in house, I think that's that's great, and I think that's fair. I know we have to go off air, so I just want to say one last thing. Um, and this this is not too. This is just like a, a comment I need to make about something that's going on. Um, we something that's happened since we've been off the air is that a youth curfew has been put in place in New Orleans. Um, I, I know that we this is not there's not time to talk about this, but like I, I have to voice my like displeasure and my my severe severe. Um, Sadness about this to see the current administration go against what is best practice. Um, and because the reality of it is that a youth curfew is going to do.